Psalm 148. I know some of you had already maybe found your way over to Philippians, but that's not where we are tonight. And due to Thanksgiving, I thought we would look at a psalm of praise and uh, just rejoice in the Lord a little further in this Thanksgiving time. I do like Thanksgiving a, a good deal. I think I grow, I'm growing in my appreciation for the holiday. How do you like that one? But um, I think as I get older, I see the value of it more. I see the importance of it more. And we have a Christmas season, but we don't really have a Thanksgiving season, you know? Usually it's about a week or so that we kind of think about Thanksgiving. So it's good to spend time on this topic while, while the season is with us. Psalm 148 is our reading tonight. And the psalm that we're looking at is a part of the final five psalms. The final five psalms are called the Halal Psalms, psalms because each of the psalms begin and end with the phrase, Praise ye the Lord. And so uh, as we look here tonight at Psalm 148, it is a very broad, um, wide-sweeping psalm that points us to many pieces of God's working. And so if you're able to stand with me, stand for the reading of Psalm 148. And the Bible reads as follows. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He has established them forever and ever. He has made a decree that shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you dragons and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars. Beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth. Both young men and maidens old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalts the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. Let's bow together. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Help Psalm 148 to ring in our hearts. May its truth and may its goodness uh, lead us in our praising you and our thanking you and our remembering of you this week. So we love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. This song is written in a very poetic way. It's a very beautiful uh, writing of scripture, and it's not uh, perfectly given over to some analytical breakdown, but I did want to see two general things. Um, sometimes as we read, it's hard to see the, the pattern and the flow, but the first section, verse 1 through 6, points us to the beings of the heavenlies. In other words, that which is up in heaven, that which is in outer space, um, that which is not the earth, okay? When we get to verse 7, we have a description of that which is in the earth, and we have uh, a number of different items, and if you kind of look at it 
through how it's ordered, when he starts out, speaking of heaven, he starts out at the highest level of heaven, and then he works his way closer and closer and closer down to the earth. When he starts speaking about the earth, he starts at the lowest point of the earth, and he starts moving up and up to the highest form of life on this earth, which happens to be humans. And he ends with a call to humans to praise the Lord. As we see his, his call and his cry to praise the Lord, let's begin by looking at these first few verses. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. The writer is telling those in heaven to praise the Lord. And it's a little strange because people in heaven probably don't need to be told to praise the Lord. But the point is, is that God is being praised in heaven. And there in heaven, in the highest holy of holies, the Lord God is being praised and worshipped and adored. The Bible says there are angels that surround His throne. And they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. And in verse 2, He calls to the angels, praise Him all His angels, praise Him all His hosts. He says here uh, that these angels ought to praise Him. They ought to give Him glory and honor. The word angel has the idea of messenger, and the word host has a military flavor to it. And so the writer is calling on the messengers of God, the spirit servants of God, and he's calling out to the army of God to praise Him. You know, when we think of an army praising its leader, we usually think of a victory parade, right? And where we sit, we say the battle is not yet over, right? We live in this wicked world. We see the conflicts. We see the sin that is here. And yet the angels, I believe, have a little bit better perspective than we. And they can already give God the glory for the victory. I believe they can see that his work will be finished. It will be done. Um, I know in different um, stories that I've read about different military leaders, when a military leader has the heart of his men and he comes to talk to them or he appears before them, sometimes it's in a parade, sometimes it's more informal, but those, those soldiers get worked up. And I, you know, if you've watched uh, Gettysburg or Gods and Generals, there's the scene where Robert E. Lee rides out in front of his men and you can hear them shouting out to their leader. And um, this type of thing happened in numerous different circumstances, okay? Here we think of the, the military of Jehovah God, and the, the writer says, praise him, you angels. Praise him, you, you warriors of his. And he calls on these ones in heaven to praise the Lord. Then in verse 3 he says, sun and moon, praise him. Praise him, all you stars of light. You know, the, as we think about these different angels, as we think about the heaven, the, the stars, the moon, these things were created to praise the Lord, to point glory to God. And yet, sadly, some humans will worship them instead of God, won't they? Um, someone said it this way in my study. They said, the great lights and stars are not gods to be worshipped, but objects that worship God. And that is really important. Even in, in the New Testament, in Colossians 2.18, we are warned negatively about worshipping angels. And the sun and the moon and the stars also praise the Lord. We sometimes think of them as for our benefit, right? 
we think of the sun, we think of the moon, we think of the tides, and maybe the glory of the skies, and we say, wow, isn't God so good to give those to us? But do you know the Bible also says that, that God has named each star? He, he knows their, he gives them a name. And this tells me that the stars are not just for us, but the stars are also for him. And maybe more importantly, they're for him than for us. And we think of the sun so, you know, we, our whole life is centered around the sun, and it's such an important piece of our life, but God ultimately created the sun for himself, for his own glory, and for his purposes, and for his cause. And the moon, and the sun, and the stars also praise the Lord. Now in verse 4, it says, Praise him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters that are above the heavens. This is a little more difficult. The heavens above the heavens. Uh, some people say this is the, the heaven that is above the sky, which would be the, the outer universe. Others say that, no, this is the heaven of all heavens, which would be where God resides. Um, we don't know for sure, but as I work through the, the passage, it seems that he is moving closer down to, to the earth. And so I would understand this to be the universe. And then he says the waters that are above the heavens. And again, you know, we in, in a pre-flood context, we might think of the canopy around the earth. Um, I'm not sure precisely what this is referring to other than perhaps that, you waters that are above the heavens. It could be that there's water, there's water out there in the universe above us that scientists haven't even discovered yet, right? Who knows? Um, but regardless, the, the writer is saying, praise him, praise him, praise him. And he's calling out to the angels. He's calling out to those in heaven. He's calling out to the, the stars and the heavenly objects. And he's saying, praise the Lord. Now, in verse 5, he starts to give them a cause and a reason to praise the Lord. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree that shall not pass away. Here we see that God has promised that these heavenly beings will last forever. They were created to praise the Lord. Do you remember the song that the lady sang on Sunday? I was made to praise the Lord and I will praise him. That is our calling as humans, but here we see that all of creation was made to praise the Lord. What does it say in Revelation uh, chapter 4, verse 11? You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you have created all things, and for your pleasure they are and were created. So he's telling them, he is, to, he is speaking to these heavenly beings, and he's saying, you praise the Lord, and the reason you should praise the Lord is he made you. Now, we generally don't think of the sun and the stars as choosing to praise the Lord, do we? No, they're a part of creation that simply does what God tells them to do. But he's still calling on them to praise him. He has established them forever and ever. And he says, praise the Lord. So in this first section, he calls on those in the heavenlies to praise the Lord. But now in verse 7, he switches his focus. And he switches to the earth. Notice verse 7. Praise the Lord from the earth. You dragons and all the deeps. Here he shifts and he goes to the depths of the oceans. And this word dragons has a, a maybe a little bit broader idea than 
we think of like a fire-breathing dragon or maybe a dinosaur or something, but the idea is more of the, the sea creatures, and usually the idea is big behemoth, um, sea monsters, and so on. And he starts with the depths of the ocean. And can I just say that the, the depths of the ocean are, we're still learning about some of the creatures that are deep, deep down in the ocean. And so what the writer has done is he has started off in heaven, and he has worked his way down towards the earth. Then when he starts on the earth, he goes to the deep section of the ocean, and he starts saying, you creatures down there, down in the depths of the ocean, you praise the Lord. You praise our God. He made you down in the depths of the ocean. Then he moves to the weather in verse 8. Fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Here we see him calling out to the weather, to the forces of this world. You know, we would call, the, earth, the world would call this Mother Nature, right? The forces of Mother Nature. But th these great storm systems all point to Creator God and to His greatness. And I don't know if you've ever been in a tremendous storm or you've seen it coming. Maybe a hurricane, maybe a tornado. I have seen a tornado once in my life off in the distance. Um, you know, seeing that massive force and watching it move and watching it come towards you, you know, there's, there's something about it that brings us to awe and to view the tremendous power and force and just influence of these storms, you know, all the people scatter, right? They run and they buy things and here comes the storm, here comes the storm. And here the writer says, fire and hail, snow and vapors, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, you praise the Lord too. I think it's a little easier for me to imagine the beautiful snow that has fallen, praising the Lord, maybe more than the, I don't know, the hail and the stormy wind. But all of these are a part of his creation. All of them point back to our God. We certainly remember Jesus in the New Testament as he was there on the Sea of Galilee. And the storm was around him and he said, peace, be still. And immediately the storm stopped, right? Well, here it says fulfilling his word. God has ordered that there would be storms in this world. God has allowed and even designed these different storms. And they are to fulfill his will. They are to... Uh, accomplish his purpose, and they do praise the Lord. Notice verse 9, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars. I don't know if you caught this reading through, but he has these couplets, right? He has these different couplets, and the first, he says, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, right? Beasts and all cattle. And this is just, I believe, just poetic phrasing of where he's, he's calling out. But notice this word all. He is saying this category and all this category, right? It's poetic. The, the idea is all things of every category ought to praise the Lord. And uh, he includes the, the animals, creeping things, fowls. He's already mentioned the, the animals in the, the water. And what we're actually working through here is we're working in a rough way through the, create, the creation days because he starts with the depths of water and, and then he, he works his way up towards the, you know, the mountains and the hills and then we have the beasts and the cattle. And so he's working his way through the creation and he's calling on all of these to praise the Lord, to point to God, to rejoice in God. 
you remember what Jesus said? That if the people, if the people there surrounding him as he entered Jerusalem were told to stop praising him, what did he say would happen? He said the rocks would cry out, right? And so here we can see, yes, indeed, all creation is designed to praise the Lord. And I wonder, I just imagine, what will this creation be like when he comes in his kingdom? When, when he comes in his glory and all creation's joy and praise is unleashed for us to hear? What will it be like? I do not know, but I know it will be tremendous to see and to be a, be a part of. But now he moves to his final category. Look at verse 11. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Now he starts calling upon people. And the writer has gone from the height of heaven down to the edge of the earth. He's gone from the depths of the ocean and he's worked his way up through creation. And now the Lord I'm sorry, the writer is pointing these people to praise the Lord. Kings of the earth and all people. Oftentimes, kings, political rulers, these are not people that generally praise the Lord. There are exceptions, but many times, people that have high positions of power, they think that they are the focus of things and that people ought to praise them. And he calls first on the kings of the earth. It reminds me of Psalm 2 where, where the writer there says, Be wise now therefore, O you kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish on the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. He calls on the kings of the earth to praise him. But then he goes on to say, all people. From the highest of the people, all the way down to all the people, everyone should praise the Lord. Next he says, princes and all judges of the earth. Here he's including all the other people of different positions. We sometimes think of the word prince in the English monarchy idea, son of the king. It's not that idea. Prince here simply means a governor, a leader, a ruler, an officer, that sort of thing. And so all positions of power ought to praise the Lord. Now he goes further. He says, both young men and maidens, old men and children. You know what this verse reminded me of? This verse reminded me of Sunday, how we had several of our children coming up to praise the Lord. You remember that? That was uh, a beautiful thing in my, in my heart to see that. And uh, we also had uh, young men and maidens, old men and children. I think we had pretty much the full range there. And the point is, in our youth, we should praise the Lord. And sometimes in our youth, we, we've not been corrupted by, you know, doubts and fears and struggle, struggle, struggles of life yet. And we can praise the Lord maybe in a little more innocence. And then there's those that are older where they've been through the difficulties of life and they've seen the, maybe the fruitlessness of hoping in other things and they praise the Lord. And I also want to point out there needs to be some people in the middle of their life to praise the Lord too. Right in their, their quote-unquote prime years, giving glory to God, praising Him. Let all the earth praise the Lord. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord for His name alone is excellent. Now, do you remember with the heavens where it says the reason they should praise the Lord is they were created, right? 
Now he's called out to the earth to praise the Lord. But he does not say you were created, although that's true and that's a good reason to praise the Lord. But he says his name alone is excellent. The idea of excellent is, is lifted up, is exalted. And the question I have is, can you agree with the writer tonight, his name alone is excellent? Have you found some other name, some other person, higher than the Lord? Have you found someone else who has done more for you? Have you found someone else who was purer and better and more worthy of praise than the Lord? Our world today lifts up people. And they're, they're people that are infatuated with celebrities and infatuated with political people and infatuated with rich people and influencers on social media and all these things. And people give these attention and these accolades and they talk, talk, talk about people, 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 people. But do you know who God's people should be talking about? Our God. His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. I love that phrase, above the earth and the heaven. Above everything that's been discussed in this psalm, here stands the Lord. Here stands our God, high and lifted up. There is no one like Him. His name alone is excellent. Now notice verse 14. He also exalts the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near to Him. Praise the Lord. What we see here is a specific reference to a subgroup of people. He has called on all the people of the earth to praise the Lord, but now he narrows his scope down to the people that know him. It says that God exalts the horn of his people. Well, what is the horn? Um, you know, does it mean trumpet? Well, it probably has more the idea of a horn on an animal. And the horn of an animal is kind of two, there's two aspects of it. A, if you think of a big bull with horns, uh, maybe a deer with antlers, those horns are the glory of that animal and they're also the protection for that animal, right? If you don't believe that a bull's horns is its protection, just try getting in the ring with the bull and seeing what he does, okay? He's gonna come after you with those horns. And when it says here he exalts the horn of his people, this has the idea, I believe, of lifting up the head in, in courage, in power, in strength, in honor, uh, where instead of a head bowed low, the idea is of a beast in full pride and power moving forward and without fear. And it says that this is what God does to his people. God lifts up our hearts. He strengthens us. He protects us. He allows us to walk in His ways and, and thus our whole life is changed. Our heart and our outlook is changed. And it says the praise of all His saints. So what is the idea here is that God works in our life in such a way that we praise Him. God is bringing out the praise of His people. As He works in our life, is He getting more and more praise from us? He, he's doing a work that's worthy of this praise. And it says here that he lifts up the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints. Then it gets specific, even of the children of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. You know what I took away from this phrase, a people near to him? That is, those who know God better should praise him more. And the more unfamiliar you are with God, the less reason you will have to praise him. 
the, the less awareness you will have to praise Him. But here we find that there, there's a people within all the people of the earth that are near to the Lord. God worked very specially in the Old Testament through the people of Israel. And through them He called all people to Himself. But those people of Israel had a close relationship with God. They had more access to know Him. They had more opportunities to know Him. And there's a subgroup of people today that also have more access to the Lord. Those who have the Bible. Those who have the Word of God in their own tongue. Those who have a church. Those who have Christian friends. Those who have a Christian home. Whatever it may be, there are people today that have a nearness to God that have greater reason to praise the Lord. They have greater reason to give thanks to God. In this vast universe, there is no other reference in this psalm to someone that is near to God. Now, it's true that the angels are there in heaven, so we might say, oh, well, they're nearer to God, right? They're nearer to God. But the angels have a praise that, that, that they cannot give, that we can give, right? God has given His Son for us, and the angels can never say that. There, there are all these other things in creation, the sun, the stars, and, and the, the waters, and the animals. These other things cannot say that I am nearest to God, right? But do you remember what the Bible promises us? That when this is all over, God says that down from heaven will come the heavenly Jerusalem. And God says, I will dwell with them. They shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will walk in the midst of them. And you know what we will be? We will be a people near to God. And you know what we're going to do then? We're going to praise Him. We're going to rejoice in Him. We're going to give Him the glory. And I'm so thankful because, you know, on that day, we're going to give Him perfect praise. We're going to give Him unhindered praise. There will be no limits by sin, no limits by humanity or by this wicked world. We're going to be able to praise Him fully. And so what happens really when we praise God and give thanks and, and turn to God in true gratitude, we're really tasting a little piece of heaven. We're tasting a little piece of the future. And we're acknowledging reality. And the reality is we have a good God. And if we pretend we don't, we are living outside of reality. And so this call is for all of creation. So a couple concluding thoughts and we'll be done here. Number one, I am a small but important part of a vast universe, all of which is meant to praise the Lord. Everything that exists that you see exists to praise the Lord. But I am a part of that. I am a part of God's creation. I was made to praise the Lord. Secondly, I must not allow heaven to be full of his praise and my small part of earth to be void of his praise. If God has created that place for his praise, he has created this place for his praise. And I can't control what happens in heaven and I can't control what happens in the depths of the ocean and with the stars and all those things. But you know what I can control? I can control these lips. I can control my little realm of responsibility. And I can say, I don't know what others will do, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will praise the Lord. We will give thanks. In my little part of this world, we will give our thanks to God. And then lastly, nearness to God increases praise to Him. The closer you are to God, the more you're going to praise Him. The more you're going to thank Him. The more you're going to say, you are a good God. And the opposite is also true. The further we drift, the less we will praise and the less we will thank Him. I hope tonight you've been encouraged to praise the Lord. You know, there's a song that we often sing on the Wednesday evening service. Take your hymnal and turn with me, if you would, over to page number 8. 
I think it's Karis that usually requests it. <clears throat> All creatures of our God and King. Now, we're not going to sing it, but I want to read the words because these words are based off of this psalm that we just read here together. Hymn number eight, All Creatures of Our God and King. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Alleluia, alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam, O praise him, O praise him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Thou rushing wind that art so strong, ye clouds that sail in heaven along, O praise him, alleluia. Thou rising morn in praise rejoice, ye lights of evening find a voice, O praise him, O praise him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Thou flowing water pure and clear, make music for thy Lord to hear. Alleluia, alleluia. Thou fire so masterful and bright, that givest man both warmth and light. O praise him, O praise him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. And all ye men of tender heart, forgiving others, take your part. O sing ye, alleluia. Ye who long pain and sorrow bear, praise God and on him cast your care. O praise him, O praise him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Let all things their creator bless and worship Him in humbleness. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia. 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 All right, let's close in prayer, give thanks, and we'll move to our prayer time. Father, we thank You for this word from the book of Psalms. Thank you for this vast creation that you have made to glorify and praise your name. I pray that we, your creation, would praise you. We, the height of your creation on this earth, would praise you. Help us to give you glory. Help us to remember. Help us to rejoice in our God. May we not forget the greatness of, of our God. May we not be distracted by lesser things. Help us to see you and to recognize you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, any question or comment before prayer time? harmonize those yes well if you pay attention carefully in Psalm 148 that statement is made the section above is the heavenlies um, I believe what's referenced there when it says new heavens and new earth is referencing the sky like the atmosphere and the earth and and even there I personally believe they'll be melted down and re reformatted as a, I don't understand that to be obliterated, but I understand it to be melted and reformatted. Good question.
Well, the way it's phrased in Psalm 148 makes it sound like it's a, it's a, um, that he, what, what does it say? Yeah, he has established them forever. So, um, and then before that, it, it used, what's the, what's the phrase before that? Yeah, he has made a decree, it shall not pass away. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It crossed my mind when I was studying, but we, we had gone over that at some point in our 130 service. And I thought, oh, I won't bother to say anything about it, but it was a good question, and we, we got it covered again. Anyone else? Yes, Deborah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a perfect fitting one. And the other verse that I thought of I didn't bring out is where it says when Christ was born, it says that let all the angels of God worship him. And just how, you know, here Christ was entering a world of darkness, of sin, not, not thankful people. <laughs> And all the praise, you know, that was normally directed heavenward, he had descended onto earth, to this wicked planet. And yet the angels turned their faces and they worshiped the Lord Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful uh, thought there too. So, okay. Anyone else? All right, can I have a... Uh